Hello and Rich Rising family. On this podcast, I bring you information about trending topics in the spiritual community and tips on where you can get started in your journey. I'm Kara and I'm your host for Modestly Metaphysical. All right. I know I've been tardy to the party on episodes lately. I really was just focused on moving and getting things in line as far as that goes. My car got, my back window got busted. Um, It's called Bippin, by the way, in the Bay Area. And they, um, yeah, they cracked my shit. And I was getting that fixed last week, um, finding a new lash lady, um, just getting furniture, doing all the things moving. So that's why I'm a little tardy to the party. But you know, all is good. I'm here now and it's going to be regularly scheduled as normal. And yeah, this episode was requested by my bestie, Casey, and she gave me a lot of really good episode ideas. So this is one of them. And it's going to be about tarot and oracle cards, what they are, just kind of like a beginner Gist. I'm not going to go into the meanings of the cards. I can do that in other episodes. Um, there is just like a, there's a lot of episodes that I could do based off of just like the individual tarot cards, but I'm just going to be covering like tarot, what it is, where it came from, um, and how to get started using it for yourself. Um, I'm not going to go into like doing readings for other people. Maybe I'll touch on that a little bit. Um, but I'm just going to mainly cover what it is, how to use it. Um, and also with Oracle cards, I'm going to toss it in there. It's not really something I think has a whole separate topic, but it can be mentioned. Okay. So tarot and Oracle are divination tools. And I like to put a little asterisk by that because when I say divination tool, I, I use it as a way to connect with the energy around me and the universe around me. And I do believe in the spiritual power of divination tools, but for those who are kind of skeptics and may not believe in all the witchy woo woo, it can definitely just be a psychological tool. And, um, almost like if a therapy session had, you know, when you look at those ink blots and you say like what you see or whatever, I don't remember the name of those, sorry, but it's like the same concept. So it can be used as a holistic tool to kind of dive deeper into your mind as well as a divination tool, if that's what you would rather believe in. It's personally what I believe in, but I do see where, um, the psychological analysis of the cards is much more useful for the broader population because not everyone believes what I believe, but I do believe that I, if I'm doing a reading for someone, I believe that it's divinely guided. Um, but a lot of people just think it's uh, coincidence. And I think that there is no such thing as a coincidence. I think things are shown to you for a reason, whether or not it's divine intervention I don't know. I don't think any of us will ever know. But nonetheless, I believe that there is definitely an aspect about tarot that can help you to um, come up with alternative solutions for psychological problems or just problems in your life that you need a new perspective on. 
So I'm going to do a little brief history lesson. <laughs> so first, I'm going to start with just playing cards in general. They first originate, or, originated excuse me, in China as far back as 618 AD, so a long ass time ago. And migrating from China as, or what? I guess not just from China, migrating from the East in general. So um, just East Asia trade eventually brought cards to Islamic cultures. And by the 1370s, they were brought to Europe. So that's where it all started to kind of pop off. Then around 1440, during the Italian Renaissance, the tarot cards that we are familiar with started to become more popularized um, with the imagery that we know. And one of the most well-known were made for the Visconti family, which was one of the wealthiest families in Italy at the time. Um, It may still be. I don't know. I didn't look that far. But the concept started as just a game, but at the same time, the Romani people or um, I know it's a slur, so I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but gypsies is what we commonly know them as, but it's the preferred term is Romani people. So the Romani people were said to be using them for fortune telling at this time. Think of the woman from Humpback of Notre Dame. She is like the um, perfect depiction of what we know and associate Romani people with as far as like what they look like. So the tarot has 78 cards, 22 major arcana and the rest minor arcana. I know for someone who doesn't really know what tarot is, that sounds crazy. So um, just to give you a little hint or a little sneak peek. So the 22 major arcana are going to be like the big main cards, like the devil, the tower, the star, the moon, all that good stuff. And it's theorized that the major arcana holds divine knowledge from the Knights Templar, but um, verifiable proof of the tarot doesn't surface until the 1700s. And if you hear chewing in the back, that is Zuko going ham on this bone that I got him. But um, verifiable proof of the tarot didn't surface until the 1700s, uh, where French and English occultists started using it as a divination tool. Um, I can't think of any names off the top of my head. Oh, wait, I have some notes. Okay. (laughs) So Jean-Baptiste Alliette or... Etiella, I think is how you say it. It was his like um, his stage name or whatever, you know, his secret name. But he published extensive work on cardomancy, which is using cards as a divination tool. And he wrote the Egyptian book of Thoth or Thoth. I'm not sure how to say it. I've heard it a million times in a different way. So, sorry. But then the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which we've all heard in like scary movies and all that good stuff, took interest in the tarot in 1888 and then popularized it further. And then in the 1900s, A.E. Waite and Aleister Crowley, and I forgive me, everyone always leaves her name out. But so the writer Waite Smith deck, which is like the major one that like the very first one that everyone gets, like the um, foundational one, 
it, there's a woman and her last name is Smith and she's very important as well. I can't remember her first name for the life of me right now and I didn't put it in my notes. So she's also very important. She helped illustrate the cards. But in the 1900s, Waite and Crowley made their own decks and they're kind of like the foundational decks right now. So that would be like the, um, I forgot Crowley's and I see it all the time and it's one that I want, but he made a deck. It's really popular. It's the um, Book of Thoth or Thoth, however you say it. He's the one that made that one. And then the traditional Rider Waite deck was made by A.E. Waite. So those are the two decks that you see all over the place. And they, it's really fairly new, honestly, like the 1900s. I think it was like the 1920s, 1930s is when it really started to get more popularized and more um, occultist traditions were moving around in more so mainstream stuff, I guess. And so it's fairly new, like the concept, well, fairly new to be um, documented, I guess, because I do think that it was being used a long time ago by the Romani people, but it is fairly new as far as what we know it as. Okay, so what is tarot? It is an ancient art, and a lot of people associate it with telling the future, but I think it tells you what um, certain outcomes may happen from certain events, and it can also um, just help you with personal and spiritual growth, and overall, you can use it to discover your authentic self and do shadow work and do inner child work and all the good things that come with spiritual practice. So with tarot, it is not just a card game. It helps us to look at ourselves, to understand our emotions, um, the reasons behind our words and conduct, and also the source of conflicts. It can be a, a holistic tool to help us to reveal unconscious thoughts and patterns the cards won't tell us what to do or what will happen, but rather offers fresh perspective and helps chart a road for decision-making. The signs and symbols can be used to facilitate retrieval of information from the unconscious mind and bring it to the forefront of the conscious mind to help create solutions and awareness. And I think awareness is the biggest thing. And when we study the images, we use our own intuition for what it means. And this can reveal a lot about what's going on inside our heads. And not only that, but the more you work with the cards, the more you understand the meanings and the different ways that it can um, apply to different situations. And you become more familiar with it and you'll find it easier to understand and detect patterns and put certain cards together because cards move and operate together in a spread. So the more you study and practice, the deeper your understanding becomes and the more the cards resonate with your inner life as well as events in your outer life, because a lot of the cards can relate to many, many aspects, not just like what we're commonly told that they mean. Um, so it's definitely something that can, sorry, Zuko is always does that at the worst times, but it can definitely be used to see into the future in a way that it helps you to gain advice on matters happening right now, such as a job, a marriage, or um, just normal life issues. These are 
common uses for the tarot. It can be used also to as a tool to help you deepen your understanding of yourself, to enrich your relationships with other people, and to strengthen your connection with your higher self. Zuko is going crazy right now, so I apologize. And before you can really start reading tarot, it's important to know where they come from and the practical matters of kind of like handling and caring for the cards because they are an energy. They do have their own energy. And um, it's also going to help you to stimulate your intuition and uncover answers to the questions that you've been thinking about. So you want to take care of them as if they're kind of like an entity of their own. I always like introduce new decks to my first deck and I have like a main deck. I have a deck for myself and a deck that I use on other people just because of that energy that it carries. So sorry, Zuko is like going crazy on my hand right now. When it comes to choosing a tarot deck, whether you choose the standard deck, like the weight deck that I mentioned earlier, or a more modern deck, which is what I did, there are many, ouch, Zuko's biting me, sorry. <laughs> Zuko. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I forgot I was on a podcast for a second, but he's biting the shit out of me right now. Oh, Zuko, good down. Okay, back to the podcast. <laughs> Um, there's lots of decks that you can choose from and really the hardest part is making up your mind on which one. So your first deck is going to depend on whether or not you're a primarily visual person. So the symbolism of the major arcana is pretty much the same in all decks, although it might be depicted in different themes like Celtic, Native American, Japanese, etc., um, Egyptian. And for some people, the pictures on the main, major, or excuse me, minor arcana serve as memory aids to the card's meanings. So um, some decks will just have like, if it's the four of swords, it'll just have four swords on there rather than like a, like the uh, typical symbolism and imagery of like the traditional decks. So always be aware of that when choosing your first deck is make sure you look at what the minor arcana looks like, especially if you're trying to learn because you want it to have pictures. You don't want it to just have like the four swords or the three wands. You want it to have an actual scene like um, that's acting out something. So that is something to really look for in your first deck. And so that's what I would recommend as far as like choosing one. And you just need a deck that resonates with you, that's calls to you. So what I did is I walked into a crystal shop and I looked at their tarot cards and I just picked the one that was like calling my name, like I was most interested in. So that that's what I did to um, pick my first deck. It is a common misconception that you, it depends on your belief, but a lot of people think that you have to be gifted your first tarot deck and that's not always the case. I gifted it to myself and I wanted to work with it. It had been calling to me, so I got it. So don't wait for someone else to buy it for you because oftentimes it's like, I'm going to end up getting it for myself anyways. So just get it for yourself. Personally, that's my opinion. So with using more than one deck, many people like to have a couple decks, sometimes for different purposes. I certainly do. So you might want to keep one card for yourself. And if you are someone who's interested in readings, you can have another deck for other people. So um, it just depends on how you feel like the vibe is. But that's totally up to you and up to your practice.
So with handling your deck, you should definitely handle the cards with the utmost care and respect. Treat it like you would any precious possession. Never leave it lying unattended or just like willy-nilly. I always make sure that I put crystals on top of it if I'm leaving it on my altar or um, I wrap it in like a little satin um, head wrap just so that it's safe and like covered. And I always return it to its little special place after I finish using them just because it's important to take care of this. Like I said, it has its own energy and they all have different personalities. It sounds silly, but I have like one deck that's super aggressive. And like, if you want to get called out, I'm going to use it. Um, I have a deck that I use for people who need a little more like self-guided direction. It's a little easier and not so... um, intense so just know that and take care in doing that with your cards if find out what type of deck it is there's an interview spread that you can find i just found it on pinterest or tumblr and just look up interview um tarot deck like interview your new deck or whatever and it'll come up with some stuff so a lot of people i personally will um cleanse my cards on full moons and new moons because I like to have the energy kind of sit there because I'm the only one that touches my decks. So my energy is intertwined with the decks. But if someone else touches your decks, it's important to bless or purify your cards. So I definitely bless my deck each time before I use it. And I do so just by doing three knocks on it. And then obviously like visualizing, um, any healing energy or whatever the purpose or my intention with the reading is going to be. That's how I purify it before each reading. And then obviously just like stating my intention of I'm doing this reading for whoever, um, Jane Doe. And my purpose with this reading is for you to give me a spread answering whatever the question is. So that's how I do it before each reading. As far as like a true cleansing, like a purifier or, um, Again, blessing and purifying is different, so look that up on your own. But for clearing or purification, you can use the elements. So with fire, you can place it um, in the sunlight for an hour, or you can light a candle and set it in a candle holder on the table or wherever. And um, while you kind of ask the fire, the spirit of fire, to remove old vibrations and usually use it as like a visualization of the fire, kind of like taking that away and burning it away. With earth, you can use salt. I use coarse sea salt and you can pretty much just put your deck into a small bowl and lay some um, white paper over it to avoid getting salt on the cards and purify it that way and completely cover it with salt and then just ask it to be cleansed. And then with air, I just use um, incense and I'll just visualize going counterclockwise to get rid of any energy and then clockwise to bring in any sort of energy and then just asking it to be purified with the air and really setting your intention. And I don't usually use water just because obviously the deck is paper and I don't want to fuck it up. So what I would do is if I were to do it that way, I would get some Florida water, mix it in a spray bottle with some regular water and then just um, spray it over or you could do salt water as well and mist it. Or if you have like an oil diffuser, you could also do that. 
When it comes to starting to do readings, I think the biggest thing that I was unsure of is how to shuffle. And I literally would look up videos on how to shuffle until I found the way that was good for me and my hands because every deck is different. So sometimes they're thicker um, and they're a lot bigger than like regular cards. So if you're good at shuffling regular cards, this could be a little bit of a challenge. Sorry. Um, so yeah, a new deck is usually a little stiff or they kind of stick together. So definitely ruffle the cards at the edges to give them a little bit of flexibility and in time they'll get softer and easier to use. And also if you're doing readings for yourself, shuffling is up to you. Shuffling, cutting, and handling the cards puts your energy into them and then they can kind of absorb your energy and respond to your concerns, you know. So you can do, I kind of do um, the where I shuffle it until card pops out. Sometimes I'll just do it where I'll shuffle it, mix the cards up, and then split it, and then pick whatever from the deck, um, from the split deck. You can do it that way. Um, however you want, honestly, is with shuffling. So however you feel fit, however you feel cool. That's why I like <laughs> when I get like the rogue pop-out cards, because then it's, it. I feel like it resonates with me more when I do it that way, rather than when I split it and pick the cards, but it's all up to your preference. There is no right or wrong way to do that. And then what else do we got on the agenda? So to connect with your deck and kind of start to learn the meanings of the cards, I personally would carry my cards with me and just use them, you know, when I felt called to do it. And then just sleeping with them by my bedside also helps to get associated with the energy and them to get the deck to get associated with yours. And then um, learning the different meanings of the cards Honestly, the most effective way for me was to, um, I am a visual learner, so I would pick a card every day and look into all the meanings of it and kind of have that be my theme for the day. And I started with the major arcana and then moved to the minor arcana because the major arcana um, have the biggest, um, more specific meanings. And then also listening to like podcasts or YouTube videos to kind of see what everyone else interprets the cards as because each individual card does have a meaning, but the meaning can be altered or a little bit different when it's put in association with other cards in the spread. So always keep that in mind. And the better you have an understanding of each individual card, the more you can see the bigger picture when you do a spread. And speaking of spreads, the easiest one to start with is past, present, future. I personally never use that one all that much. I more so used um, what I need to let go as a first card, what I need to grow, and what I need to know. And I found that I got a much more use out of that spread, but find your own spread that you'd like to go to. And then as you get more comfortable, you can add more cards and start in interpreting them deeper and deeper, but always start simple. Never overwhelm yourself. Um, also, one thing that I did was keep track of all my readings, whether it was for me or for someone else. I just put it into the notes on my phone. That way, when I develop deeper and get more um, 
understanding of the cards, I can look back and see how I could have interpreted it differently and learning that way. And I always just, in the beginning, I set aside like 30 minutes each day to just do a little reading for myself and see what came up, learning the cards, learning them as I go. And the biggest, 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 biggest thing is when you are learning a new card, definitely ask yourself what intuitive messages you get from the card before you even um, look at the meaning of the card, like the book meaning. So look at the images, write down what you feel when you look at the card, what you think it could be about, what first popped into your head, any intuitive thoughts that come about the card, and then leave a little section for what the real meaning might be and start to see the correlations and also learn symbolism. That's going to be the easiest way, especially if you're a visual person like me, the certain images on the card will spark a certain idea or um, thought, especially if it's something like if I see a white flower or, you know, a cliff or the certain colors, Um, colors are huge, all the symbolism, all the signs and symbolism, when you start to learn that, you are going to be much better off interpreting the tarot and learning what the cards mean because it's going to be right in front of your face. It's just not like completely obvious. I also know that they have decks out there that are made for learning. I saw one on Amazon. I can't remember what it's called for the life of me, but if you put like learning tarot deck, um, they also have a lot of books. I found quite a few books at even just Barnes and Noble. They had a couple on their sale rack. And if you go to like a crystal shop or metaphysical shop, they'll most likely have some books on tarot. My favorite one, honestly, is holistic tarot. And this is more, um, of the psychological side of the tarot rather than the divination side, because I feel like the divination side is more up to intuition and I really want it to be interpreted for everyone, not like even skeptics. So then that way I can explain it in a way that they can resonate with no matter. So that's why I chose to go with that book. It's a giant book. Um, It's really good. It gives you all the information. If I were to tell you to get one book about tarot, I would tell you to get Holistic Tarot by Benabel Wen. B-E-N-E-B-E-L-L space W-E-N, Benabel, when. And it's a beautiful book. I love it. I love big books. (laughs) But (laughs) um, definitely that's the best tarot book that I've come across. Now, I am going to briefly hit on oracle cards and what the difference in oracle cards versus tarot cards are. So tarot cards, as you know, traditionally has 78 cards. Some special decks will have 79 and have their own thrown in there. I think one of the ones I have, the Santa Muerte deck, definitely has um, an extra card in there. And I think it's just the Santa Muerte card. But a lot of other decks might do that same thing. I'm pretty sure that they have an extra card, so they have 79. But most of the time, it's 78. So with Oracle decks, they can vary. Some have... 15, some have 70, some have in between that. Oracle decks are more so um, used or easily used for intuitive readings because you can really make your own um, reading based off of the images and they vary widely. They're not quite so structured. So if you're interested in intuitive readings, I would definitely go with Oracle cards. I have a few decks myself and I like to use them in conjunction with my tarot cards just because um, I feel like the Oracle cards are the what and the tarot cards are the how. I feel like that's right. 
it might be the other way around. But anyways, they kind of go hand in hand. And so Oracle decks widely vary and they're a little less strict as far as meaning goes. You can really leave it up to your own interpretation or just like if the words on the cards mean something to you and the images on the cards mean something to you. Um, They also have little books that come with the definitions and um, what the cards mean when the illustrator made them or when the creator made them. And a lot of times it'll be similar to what you probably come up with yourself intuitively, but there's a lot more freedom in Oracle cards and a lot more structure in tarot cards. So if you're someone who does really well with learning um, how to do it on your own and don't necessarily want the the rigidity of like each card having a specific meaning, I would definitely look into Oracle rather than tarot. There's another type of reading. It starts with an L. I have no clue how to say it, so I'm not going to try. But I know that that's also similar to – it's like a mix between Oracle and Tarot, I think, where they do have specific meanings, but um, it's a little bit different than Tarot. But that's all I would tell you guys about Tarot and Oracle. Both are beautiful tools in spiritual journey, and definitely um, each card – has a different meaning with tarot and then oracle is the same and there's lots of beautiful decks associated with both tarot and oracle and um if you guys want any episodes about specific cards let me know i could do a little short series about the tarot cards themselves i may also i probably do to freshen up some of my um card meanings anyways but overall Tarot is an intuitive tool, psychological tool to help people look deeper into issues that they're facing in everyday life, things that have been on your subconscious, unconscious, or even conscious mind in helping you see a fresh new perspective and just see the light a little bit easier. Sometimes it just takes someone else saying it to us for us to really be aware of something or for things to be brought to our attention. And I think it's a beautiful tool that can be used whether you believe in the divination of it or not. So thank you for tuning in. I'm not going to do a meditation at the end of this one. I am going to probably um, have a good one for next time, but thank you and love and light to all of you. I love you all and I appreciate you all. I love you all and appreciate you all so, so much. Thanks for putting up with my tardiness and I will see you probably on Saturday.